0: morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on this beautiful day. We've got a great show for you, and it starts off with Nikki giving you some updates on what's going on across the area.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Foodie and the Beast. We are so excited. We have such a great show today. But before we kick it off, please go to thelistareyouwantit.com for all your Thanksgiving needs. We have a list of every restaurant, farmer's market, farmer, baker, you name it who is providing the goods for your holiday. Of course, we have to do things smaller this year, uh, or you should be doing things smaller this year. And uh, of course, the D.C. hospitality community is there to help. Also, it is D.C. Cocktail Week. Yay! Launched by R.A.M.W. And if you tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. on Real Fun D.C., you'll hear me talking to a bunch of area bartenders and mixologists all about all the deliciousness they're shaking up to celebrate the week.
0: And speaking of Thanksgiving, we're also uh, later in the show going to be joined by Mitch Berliner of Central Farm Markets, and they've got all kinds of stuff for Thanksgiving, including those birds you want. It's full time. Uh, we're also going to be joined by Brandon Baton. He's the Director of Development for Wondergarten, which is a Bavarian Bavarian-inspired outdoor beer garden, Uh, It's in Noma, and they've got, oh, it's an awesome place. They've got socially distanced bars and greenery and fire pits and cabanas. You'll hear all about it. Then joining us is Adam Gerson. He's the founder of Near Country Provisions. That's a subscription-based farm-to-doorstep service that delivers premium uh, pasture-raised beef and pork to households around the region. Uh, Then, this is a fun one. Uh, MSN listed this place, and it's open all hours, the best 24-7 restaurant in every state. Uh, the rankings of uh, 2019, and it is Bob and Edith's Diner. It's an iconic D.C.-based uh, diner. Um, actually, it opened in, in Arlington first in 1969, and we're going to have Greg Bolton, who's the founder's son, join us later in the show. And then later, Chef Danny Yato, who is the nation's top award-winning paella chef, is back with us. He's going to be talking about what's going on at his restaurant, Chiquette. It's a Valencian restaurant uh, with This Spanish food that'll blow your mind, you're going to hear all about that. But first, Mitch Berliner from Central Farm Markets. Mitch, what is going on at the markets today?
1: Hi, Mitch.
2: Hello there, kids. Good morning. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood, to say the least. And Mm -hmm. a great segue to talk about our Thanksgiving offerings at Central Farm Markets. Um, We are, as you suggest, we need to have smaller gatherings this year because we want to all be together. Next Thanksgiving. So right. we are. Hello. Springfield Farms is uh, now selling half turkey. Hmm. And we also have a smoked turkey option from uh, Chef Josh Karen, who smokes it over hardwood. And he has not only whole turkeys, but turkey breasts. So you don't have to get entire big birds. And is, we how have, do they raise
0: half turkey? Does a half turkey just hop around on one leg?
2: Um, it's a genetic feature. I know we're not stop. supposed to talk I mean, about GMOs. Don't give him oxygen. <laughs> would you please? All right. And what <laughs> goes with the turkey? Sure. Uh, we have everything: soup to nuts. Obviously, tons of desserts, side dishes. Um, you can go onto the Central Farm Market website. Look at all our vendors, our bakers. We have such a tremendous selection, and what we're doing this year more than we've ever done. We have a lot, a lot of prepared foods from top quality cooks and chefs. And so we have a huge selection. We have Chinese, Sichuan, all kinds of uh, things. We have a souffle person coming, specializing in just souffles. So we have a tremendous, so if you're getting a little tired of cooking a lot, um, we have a tremendous to-go prepared food uh, selection coming up within a week or two. So so. Mitch, how
1: can people, I mean, aside from coming to the market, is everything listed on the website? Because I know you can order in advance. What's your recommendation for people to really get on it now so that they're in good shape for the holiday?
2: Well, for Thanksgiving, definitely have to order in advance. The rest of the time, not so much so. So for Thanksgiving, get on the phone. We've got Farm Market Bakery. We've got um, all kinds of uh, wonderful people. There, just go through the website. The bakers, I would say, definitely hit them up first um, because they usually uh, usually uh, sell out with their goodies. And uh, so, definitely hit them up. And of course, you can always start with uh, some uh, charcuterie from meat crafters. Is all the
0: right. Nice way to start. Mitch, I hate to um, do this to you, we got to wrap yeah. and move on. But all right, sure so anyway, about, uh, we bottom line, it.
2: folks, is um, I'll just tell you one more thing about our Tuesday. Special Thanksgiving market, which we do annually on the parking lot of REI at the Pike and Rose. That is at, from 10 to 2 on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. For all information about all our markets, go to com. And thanks Great. for having me on the show again. Well,
1: well delivered. Mitch. Thank thanks, you. Mitch. thanks, Mitch.
0: Thanks, Matt. All right. Stay let's care. talk. Yeah. Let's- Bye-bye. Bye bud. So um, we're on Zoom and we're or, or a Zoom-like thing and we're talking to Brandon Baton who's Director of Development at Wonder Garden, and we're looking at his setup there and he looks like he's he's captaining a spaceship or a podcast or something there. Brandon how are you man?
3: I am doing great uh, David and Nikki thank you so much for having me on today.
1: We're Absolutely t- so you know I, Wonder Garden has been around for a while. Can you sort of like give everybody sort of the 411 because it's a pretty big property here in d state.
3: Yeah we have over uh, 13,000 square feet of space. Uh, we are an outdoor Bavarian style German beer garden and the concept initially began when one of the owners who uh, used to work at uh, NPR and before the neighborhood became developed wanted a space for he and the employees to be able to go after work that didn't involve a lot of travel, uh, or you know, travel to. I think, to different I think we
1: need to say what neighborhood it's in for those it's who
3: don't in Noma. Know. Uh, yeah. It's uh, in Noma district, yes. Yeah. And so, out of a desire for some social activity within the neighborhood, again before it became uh, developed as developed as it is now, mm-hmm. sprung the idea of wonder garden. And it literally began with like maybe several tables and a little tent with a portable bar, mm-hmm. and then that in turn turned into our new location, which is on 1st Street, 1st and M Street uh, Northeast, right on the corner there. And that is, has been our home now for about four years total. We've been open a uh, total of five years. And it has just grown. It is an awesome space. I became associated with Wonder Garden um, about a year and a half ago. And I have was amazed when I started working there I have always, it has always been a place of wonder for me. Hence the name Wonder Garden. Um, It's just been an incredible place filled with lots of greenery. Um, It's like a little tropical oasis tucked away in the middle of DC. Um, We're in between the uh, Noma Metro stop and the Capitol Hill Metro, and the the, um, main Metro station, uh, Metro Mm -hmm. Center. So we're right in between the two and between the cabanas the fire pits um and
1: that's all sort of you guys already had that in place like you were kind of pandemic ready right like that's it's an outdoor facility
3: exactly so being an outdoor beer garden we that operates year-round so we have were uniquely positioned for the purpose of social distancing and being able to adapt very quickly to the measures that were uh, instituted by the District of Columbia, as well as following the CDC recommendations. So we were really well positioned in doing that. Um, you know, we provide heated cabanas, we already had our propane take systems in place uh, to make sure that people can stay warm. Uh, we already had the ability to completely. Uh, tent, our, our primary main beer pavilion, as well as our smaller marquee tent. So we were able to be able to put all of this into um, action really quickly. And then a simple addition of contactless ordering has been amazing. It, I mean, it simply has just been an amazing Is thing.
1: A QSR code it. system.
3: Exactly. So, uh, it, and, and people love it. it. They get their orders faster. Um People like being independent. We find being able to order their own; they don't have to wait in lines. Uh, they simply pull out their phone, order—you know, scan the QR code, order, and their food and drinks magically appear.
1: Mm-hmm. And they can, and they pay there too, right? It's a, it's a one-shop deal.
3: Yep, oh, all yeah. they, they everything is done right there. They order and they I pay. Mean, there,
1: there's so few threads of silver linings of the pandemic, but I do think that is one right like the ease of of doing that for especially for a facility like yours right like not yes. for necessarily like a fine dining restaurant but for a beer garden instead of waiting online or waiting for a server like it's just easy it makes it run right
3: it does it um it has re- it has actually enhanced the operations right. uh, and we've been very very thankful for it and Especially in this day and age, you know, where everyone comes in, there's a six person max per table mm-hmm. for for groups So we can only have six people per table people can't stand up or walk around Which is hugely different from what we were doing last year. I right. mean Wonder garden is an extremely social place. And so people come they are in their groups. They they're talking they're moving around um, they're talking to other people. So the constant action that you would, if you would just sit at the bar and watch Was amazing, especially around a lot of our like larger events We are, are known in the neighborhood and then the district in the DMV for our large events from our Oktoberfest event, which we just completed maybe about two weeks ago um, Which we extended into a whole four week uh, program this year and then we had you know, our Opry Ski event, which is in February, that kind of celebrates the ski season. And then of course our Winterfest event, which is another large uh, seasonal holiday event that we do. And people love coming to see how creative we've been, what new installations we've put in, what our drink specials are going to be. We already always make sure we have seasonal beer and seasonal drinks in place. Um, And of course what our food options are also. Uh, So it's always-
1: you know what? We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I mean, you have this massive fall festival that we are in the yes. middle of. So when we come back, let's dive into that, because the fact that you guys are rolling out these kinds of activations amongst what's going on is really, I mean, it's something to celebrate. So I want to talk about and all the a cool... big
0: schedule, too. Yeah, so. you have an amazing right. schedule. right, let's take the yes. break.
1: Okay, this is David and Nikki Nellis, Booty and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec.
0: All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Brandon Baton from Wonder Garden. And, Brandon, before the break, uh, we mentioned, I mean, you have a list of special – because you're an events guy and a marketing guy, so obviously you would have this. But um, you've got this incredible lineup for Fall Fest. Um, I'd like you to take us through it, but also talk about the pop-up holiday market for black-owned small businesses that you have on the 28th, because that sounds like fun.
3: Yes, actually, that is uh, an extremely fun event, an extremely well done event. We partner with District Mother Hude, which is the largest millennial mother. Uh, they, they're millennial mothers in the uh, in the District of Columbia. We had them last year, and they were just fantastic. And so what will be happening is will be a mini market this year. Um, of course, because of COVID restrictions, we've had to reduce the size. We also have to be more conscious of social distancing and making sure that those measures are followed. But we're looking very forward to having-
1: I just wanna make sure that we're clear. This is for that particular market.
3: That's for that market. It's on right. November the 28th, which is Small Business Day. Yep. and So we're gonna have a lot of black owned vendors there uh, to sort of uh, partner with District Mother Hued. Um, as well as you know, um, a black-owned food truck that will be there as well, providing beverage, uh, providing uh, food options, and we'll also be doing theme drinks and um, that during that time as well. What okay, we-
1: and can we talk about this festival too? Because I don't want yes. to, not mention that because you've got events going on almost every day,
3: now, <laughs> right? That's correct. So as part of Fall Fest, which originally began as a two-week event, has now become a four-week event, um, we are having special pop-ups with some of DC's most notable restaurants um, in the area, including Chaiko, uh, Timber Pizza, uh, Little Minor Taco. This mm-hmm. weekend, we have Laos in town. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of different food options. And then, of course, we have our regular food truck on site, Cali Burger. And we have uh, our regular little pop-up called the Buena Empanada as well. So we are offering a lot of food choices uh, for people to come and enjoy over the course of Fall Fest. And then we're also featuring workshops, like craft workshops for people, especially with the holidays coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, today we have our Marcella Crebell who is a well-known author and uh, cookbook author of painting.
1: Marcella's been on the show, she's awesome. amazing.
3: She Mm -hmm. is. She really is. And so Mm -hmm. she's doing a paint, a watercolor workshop today. We have AR workshop of Alexandria doing a blanket making um workshop tomorrow, and then we have Holly Simmons, who is the owner of She Loves Me, the floral.
1: You're going to do a wreath making class, right?
3: Exactly. She's She's coming. So on Sunday, Sunday, November 29th, I believe is when she's going to be there. Yes.
1: Great. Okay.
3: So a lot of activities.
1: You have so many activities. There's so much going on. A lot of it is on the list, Are you on it.com. But, Brandon, we thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell everybody, please, where they can find out all the information about Wonder Garden and all the activations that you're doing?
3: Of course. Uh, all the information is easily found at our website, which is Wonder Garden, DC, and that's W-U-N-D-E-R-G-A-R-T-E-N-D-C.com.
1: Excellent. Thanks so much, Brandon.
0: So Adam Gerson is the founder of Near Country Provisions. It's a subscription-based farm-to-doorstep service that delivers high-end, locally-sourced, pasture-raised beef and pork to consumers around the area. Adam, welcome to Foodie and the Beast. How are you?
4: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me.
1: So Adam, tell us a little bit about Near Country Provisions and how you put it together and give us the whole background of it.
4: Sure, sure. So uh, as David started to say, we are a farm to doorstep subscription service for local 100% grass fed beef and pastured pork. We are made in and made for the Washington DC area. We aim to make it really easy and convenient for people in our community to put meat on the table that is delicious and flavorful, that is healthy, meaning additive free and nutrient dense. That is from local farms that are a short drive away in Maryland, Virginia, and Pennsylvania farms with exacting standards when it comes to environmental stewardship and animal welfare. We're a little bit like a CSA, if that's a helpful frame of reference, although we like to think that we raise the service level relative to a CSA in terms of convenience and flexibility and and a customer service mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, I can go into how the subscription service works, but do you want me to start with more sort of
2: I'd
1: like to talk a little bit I mean you launched this in March Pure serendipity like couldn't have been a better time. I don't know how else to but, say it But
0: why and and what's your background? Are you a farmer originally? Are you
4: I, I, I am a, a newbie to agriculture uh, uh, and, and, and a newbie to the food industry, quite frankly, I have a background in, in entrepreneurship, though. And so this was mostly a, I, I suppose, a classic entrepreneur solving his own problem uh, type situation where I have found it very hard to eat good and to eat well. That was true before I moved to D.C. But when I moved to D.C. with my family a couple of years ago, it was really true. And Look, we have a lot of major problems when it comes to food systems in our region and in our society and in our world. Uh, Most meat out there today is packed with antibiotics and hormones and other contaminants. It is produced in an industrial process that brutalizes animals, honestly, and brutalizes the environment. And it's part of this global supply chain, which is... Uh, really COVID started to, to expose more than ever is more fragile and more corrupt uh, than, than perhaps we realized if, if, if we were ever really focused on it. So for folks who, like, like me and my family, and I'm sure like a lot of your listeners who want to eat good and eat well, it's really hard. You end up making a lot of compromises. You can find high-quality ethical meat. You can go to a, a local farm store. You can go to a farmer's market. These are great, but they're not super convenient so we make compromises. And in a sense, when I started Near Country Provisions, it was so that my family, my community, our region, don't need to make compromises when it comes to health and when it comes to ethics when we're when we're feeding our families.
1: I think that's a really excellent point. I think a lot of us have very good intentions, right? And then, you know, oh, I'm at the store. I'll just pick this up because I'm here, right? As opposed to having it or planning ahead or making sure that you, you know, because we believe in you know having pasture raised meats, which is you know very important and humane certified products. Um, how did you go about sourcing your farmers?
4: Yeah, so I sought out and started developing relationships with local farmers who are best practitioners in in terms of these these principles that that we've talked about, and are close. They're in the the near country of of, of the DC area. So these include. Grandview farm in Forest Hill, Maryland. The Bailey family runs that farm a really short drive up the road uh, towards uh, towards Baltimore. Uh, Thistle Creek farm in central Pennsylvania. George Lake and his family run that farm. They focus on 100% grass-fed beef. Uh, Grandview, I should say, is where we resource our pigs um, and pork. Um, And our newest cattle partner is Grayson Natural Farm in Grayson County, Virginia? That's run by Gary Mitchell, he's a seventh generation farmer uh, in, that, in that area.
1: And how does the subscription work? Like, because when you say CSA, and I'm a lot of people think, Oh, CSA means I'm gonna get like some rutabaga and uh kale, you know, lots of kale. Yeah. So, <laughs> subscription work so that i'm getting what i a variety what I'm what I'm gonna, want. but what i'm gonna use but also maybe educate me a little bit because you know there are some really incredible pieces or cuts of meat and pork that maybe i'm not familiar with but if i were to be educated on it i would order it right so the whole
4: yeah. animal yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. So um, let me address sort of kind of the basics of, of, of how this the service works and also talk about kind of the, the flexibility uh, part, which is which is super, super important. So uh, you go to nearcountry.com and you can learn about our farmer partners that we talked about. You can learn about our approach and our principles and all those things. When you're ready to shop, you go to shop provisions. And the first thing that you will choose is your protein or proteins. Do you want 100% grass-fed beef only? Do you want pasture and woodlot-raised pork only? Or do you want a blend of both? Mm -hmm. Then you're going to choose what are the range of cuts that you want us to curate for you. So at the most basic level, we have ground meat and sausage. That's a product that we call the daily grind. As you Mm -hmm. can imagine, it's the most economical. Moving up from there, we have what we call our essentials. So there you get your ground in your sausage, but you add in roasts, so your pork shoulder roast, your pork belly roast, a whole range of wonderful beef roasts. And then above that, we get into what we call all-in, which is, as it sounds like, it's it's everything. So everything that's in Essentials, plus you add your ribs and your chops and all the steaks. And we are going to curate for you month to month, but uh, from from this selection that you've made, you also have the opportunity month to month to make ad hoc add-on purchases. So here's where people who like to eat nose to tail, for example, can add their oxtail, can add their uh, marrow bones, can add their liver, their tongue, what what have you. Um, now, we're also going to ask you.
1: I don't want that. Like, I, it's one of the things that's really hard as somebody in food media. I'm supposed to like everything, yeah. but I don't really go full. I mean, I just don't. So. Right. If I did not want that because I wouldn't want it to go kind of a waste, can you say no to that?
4: For sure. And in fact, the in fact all the and the offcuts are not part of any of the core subscriptions. Those are those are only going to be add-ons. But even within the core subscriptions, if you say you have a dietary restriction where you can't have sausage, okay, you know, we're not we to not you sausage or, or, or bacon. If you say for whatever reason, you know, I don't like New York strips, I like filets. I don't like New York strips, that's that's something we can accommodate. Now Many, as you started to say before, Nikki, many people love the discovery element of this type of service where we'll give you a, you know, a try tip to try. Maybe you've never had that before. We'll give you a chuck eye steak. But if you try these things and you don't like them, we won't, we won't give them to you again. We, have, we take an approach which we call curation with customization. So we're going to curate for you. Well, we're taking your preferences into mind as well, and we really want to optimize the, the, the curation for you that way by really understanding what you, what you love yeah. and what
0: you don't love. That brings up a business question from your side. Are you, is it essentially like drop shipping from the, the farmers, the, just the things you want, or are you buying the whole animal? And then if people don't want liver and all of that stuff, then are you stuck with all this, basically this shortage? on, on How does that about,
4: work? Yeah, we're bu- we're buying the whole we're buying the whole animal um, and making sure that nothing gets wasted. And we are also we own our supply chain, so we're we're taking possession of the whole animal, uh, and we are doing all of the delivery ourselves locally.
0: So you're doing the butchering too?
4: No, we work with processors who do uh, who do the, 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 the processing the, and butchering.
0: The animal comes from the farm to the processor,
4: and, and we are control. Correct? Cor- correct. Correct.
1: Okay, right. Adam, we have to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have like a two minutes with you, but I, I'd really like to just tell people how they can get access and et cetera. This is David and Nikki Nellis on Foodie and the Beast. Maybe you have a new way to order products to your house. We'll be back in just a sec. All
0: right, so we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Adam Gerson of Near Country Provisions. Uh, Adam, we were talking before about how, I mean, how your model works in terms of ordering and uh, subscription costs and all of that. Why not, We've got a couple of minutes. Tell us about that. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, sure. Um, so as I was saying, um, it's really easy to sign up. yourcountry.com You're going to make this range of, of choices that we talked about. The part that I didn't get to mention is you're going to tell us how much you want. The most popular is among our customers today is 10 pounds a month, which is about 20 servings a month. But you can get a lot more you can get less if you only want 10 pounds every other month or every third month. That's fine. We have some customers who want 30 pounds a month, 60 servings a month, that's, that's also fine. And, the, and, and you can make changes as you go as well. You can use your online account to make changes yourself or we'll make, we'll make changes for you.
0: How's it delivered? Do you have a, a, you know, a network of trucks and they drop it off in dry ice, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, so
4: our drivers will deliver right to your doorstep. The meat is going to arrive in an insulated bag with dry ice so that even if you're not home precisely when you arrive, it's going to be safe. Now, during the pandemic, let's be honest, we're, we're mostly also- home most of the time, but but even if you're not, it's going to be sitting there nicely for you, waiting for you, you're and you're gonna be able to bring it in and, and put it in your freezer.
1: Well, Adam, congrats on launching this. It sounds like a really well-fleshed out, out concept, legit fleshed out, um, and I think that, uh, it's something that people in this area really will be attracted to. So, just tell us quickly how they can find you on the internet.
4: Yeah, nearcountry.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the information's there, and folks can feel free to contact me uh, uh, from the contact form, ask me any questions you got. And uh, we're, we're really excited. We're still the new kid on the block, but we're growing fast. And I think we're going to become a really uh, important institution in, in the area. We're looking forward to it. Mm-hmm.
1: Excellent. Well, thanks so much.
0: So, when you talk about D.C. Dining Icons. If you don't mention Bob and Edith's Diner, then you've missed something. (laughs) I've been there. It's it's unbelievable. It's a a monument to 24-7 comfort food. It's open all hours. It's great. It's wonderful. And we've got Greg Bolton on, who is one of the owners. It's a family-owned business started by his mom and dad. And, uh, Greg, what can I tell you? Not many people open diners and have them become uh, institutions. You're correct. So,
1: Greg, tell us a little bit uh, about Bob and Edis. Let's hear about its history and its beginnings.
5: Well, when I was I started when I was nine years old, and um, the diner started like ten stools. You know, customers stand up, they wait and sit down inside. They're a very small place, and you know, the food was always good comfort food, cooked order in front of you. A lot of sports fans, a lot of you know, politicians come in, talk to, you know, my dad, this and that about this, you know, sports and everything. And it slowly grew, you know, to, from that to, you know, seven stools, uh, five stools, seven booths. And the food pretty much stayed the same. We changed a few things. And as the diner began, the minis were never in front of you. The minis were up above your head as your face looking up to it, like the ceiling. It would say something like serviceman special, which would be like a chip beef at home fries. And, you know, it had a bill color, it had a picture of this and that. And, you know, as things grew and we, you know, we lost those. I wish I could have saved some of them. But um, now there's menus like normal in front of you. And it's, a, um, a well, old machine. It seems to be very satisfying to the people. We try our best to really give a good product, good service, keep it clean. And it's um, it's really grown as the years gone by. I've been involved for 49 years and it's really grown, you know, for good ways. It was like a Grey's donut when my father got it
1: hmm right. So can we hear a little bit about your dad? I mean, what was his, why did he want to open up in a diner? What was the kind of cuisine? he? I mean, did he just want to serve people food? Can we hear about him a little bit?
5: Yes. My father was a very interesting man. He was very quiet in his own little world. You know, he always wanted to work for himself. He found a nice opportunity here. He always, my mom, he put her up in lights name up in lights and and probably said neons up there with bob and he his diner um big cowboy fan he's yeah we're gonna coming. have to talk about
0: that a little later
5: <laughs> <laughs> but um he's a good um to north carolina you know picked tobacco and worked his way up the road and got an opportunity here and just took it to another level with the family growing it year to year well what do you think
0: i mean listen they're diners you know, we drive up north a lot. The, the The road is always dotted with with diners. But well, there's I mean, a
1: real diner culture up northeast.
0: Right, but the point is, your diner has you know when when um, uh, you know you get national awards for being you know one of the best restaurants in the cut, one of the best you know places for 24/7 food in the country. You've done something special and different. What do you? What is that aside from, you know, the diner atmosphere? I
5: would say the atmosphere is really good. You know, the customers bring a lot. To the restaurants they come in they protect that restaurant it's their home the food the service just a family touch from as we've grown even to now the personal touch is very important to the customers the foods really knocks nice out the park when you get an order and it's just um it's just been growing to incredible dining people are really it a lot i'm amazed sometimes when i travel I go outside the country and I wear a t-shirt everywhere I go. They, wow, I've been there. It's amazing. how far you can travel <laughs> and people recognize that name. It's impressive.
0: Well, I got a question because you have a monster menu. How do you keep all that stuff? In, I mean, it's still a diner. How do you manage to keep all that stuff in stock and keep turning it so that it's fresh? And, you know, I mean, it's, are people ordering across the board? Does
5: everything on the menu get ordered at some point during the week? How does that work? It, it it does everybody's got their little favorites with so combi fashion eggs sausage gravy almonds waffles french toast the bread's cooked to order daily seven days a week from a company and it really um the product's really good we do turn the fruit over very nicely we do not have very little waste. the pies are good but we have a good system we rotate well we date you know to keep that product fresh and the customers always happy well
1: but so since you've been doing this for fifty years, how does how do you keep the basics and have the menu evolve? Like, do you did you have to start addressing, you know, people's taste change, people dietary needs, you know, from gluten free to that, lactose intolerant? Like, that, how do you guys evolve because that's important in a restaurant. Well, I,
5: I do agree with that. But be honest, but what we serve now, we serve fifty years ago. When the menu has <laughs> The whole lot, it ain't going to change the whole lot. All I try to do is better the products, make sure the quality is the best I get for the money. And if I have to raise the price of a dollar, I raise it because I believe quality is much more important to them than trying to skip some trash food to save a customer $2. You know, quality and service is the number one thing and cleanness.
1: And then as you decided to expand, what was your process on that? Because that's a, that's always... The hard part, location and then keeping the quality and service up to standards. How did you guys go about doing that?
5: Uh, I, I like things super nice. So when I build a restaurant out, I really go out, you know, out of my way from in my new stores. I set a staple look for these, you know, to franchise this business out and grow them granite counters. When your feet set the floor, you're setting on granite below your feet. I really got the way in the food itself. It's just it's not too hard to duplicate it. We do a good job of keeping it fresh, consistent. You know we have our faults occasionally, but it's not too hard to open a new store if you know what you're doing. I've been in 50 years, so to me, it's just actually fun. You know, put the stores together to really enjoy operating them and slowly put a staff together. I have good crews through my years. I have people who will be 20 years, 25 years, 28 years, 14 years. So that helps a lot. And through this pandemic, that even helped a lot. So
1: well how did you handle the pandemic how did you guys go for, i mean so much of the diner is being there how did you how did you address that
5: very carefully it's just taking care of people it's the best thing I could say
0: well well let's make sure you've got five locations now along with Ford plus the original one in Arlington let's make sure everybody knows where they can find Bob and Edith
5: yes sir I appreciate it we have one in Columbia Pike in Arlington. We have one in Crystal City off 23rd Street. We have a Springfield Plaza. We have it. That's a great location. new giant just opened up there. We have Huntington right across the Metro Station. That's a real nice spot, real comfort, spacious spots right now to set in and keep your social distancing. And the Lee Highway is a new animal we're growing right now. And you know, COVID 19 is definitely keeping us a little bit um on our toes, watching, you know, the seating and you know closeness. But Delivery's been a real big deal for us, and so it's been a nice deal, really. It's been yeah. interesting.
0: Well, here's to another 50 years for you guys. Exactly. That's what I say. Thank you uh, so much. Greg, thanks so much for joining us, and everybody, find Bob Ediths wherever you are in Northern Virginia and go there.
1: Okay. This is David and Nikki Nellis on Foodie in the Beach. We'll be back in just a sec.
0: So now we're joined by an old friend of the show. He's back on, Danny of uh, the chef owner at Chiquette. Um,
1: and Slate Wine
0: Bar. Oh, and Slate Wine Bar.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: Dear me, I almost forgot. Mm-hmm. Thank you for reminding me. Hi, Danny, how are you?
6: Good. And yourselves this morning?
0: We're good. So, I, there are a lot of things to talk to you about, but one of the things I read in your bio is that you are America's most awarded paella chef. How does a guy end up specializing in paella and then winning all those awards?
1: Especially in a town
0: with Jose Andres. With Jose Andres.
1: <laughs> I mean, I do have to bring that up. It would be wrong of me not to mention it.
6: No, for sure. So, I mean, I grew up, you know, um, cooking paella with my dad. My dad was a chef. Uh, he went to Gordonville school in the 50s, originally from Spain. And I had it, you know, every week throughout my whole life. It was a Sunday thing or, you know, a family thing, you know, whatever part of the week. And, then got into my father's profession and uh, over the last four years uh, started competing uh, in california to get me to spain into the sort of speak world uh competition there and kept winning awards and it's pretty tough in the sense that like everybody knows what they're doing everybody has the same ingredients not about creativity it's all about you know perfecting your craft and so you know having that as a base growing up as well as Um, having more of a sports mentality in terms of like practice does not make perfect. Uh, Perfect practice makes perfect and you just keep doing it. And I didn't win everything, but you know I ended up uh, getting to where I'm at right now.
1: So for people who like just think paella as a rice dish, can we just give them like, what is it that you add to paella to make it paella? What is it that makes paella more than just rice and chicken or rice and shrimp or whatever?
6: That's a great question. I mean, there are a couple different components. One is the broth. So, like in competitions, um, broth is made from the actual ingredients, the protein and the vegetables. So the mastery of how that flavor comes to comes to be is the broth is the number one component. How you then add the spices into it and how it is a uh pie addition where the protagonist is the rice. You see a lot of uh, paellas out there and where it might be a seafood tower on top of the rice and you can't even see the rice, you know, for Valencians, you know, it it is about the flavor of the rice. And so understanding where the flavors come from, um, you know, is what really, when you see a paella off the bat, you know, how does it look? How, you know, is the rice cooked at the right level, a little bit al dente? You know, do you have sucrata? Some paellas don't require it. Uh, It's not about always the sucrata. So it's you know what makes a paella is where the, the rice represents the flavor of all the other ingredients.
0: That for me, you know, I've had paella plenty in my life, and I was in Spain for a couple of months, and um, uh, you know there. I guess the fact of a, of an al dente rice is is kind of lost on people, many people here, because often you get rice and it it's basically it's a consistency of library paste, you know it's overcooked. And once, you know, once it's cooked in with the paella, it just gets so mushy that it has no character. It is the paella. No, 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 no. But Jim's saying when it's all heated up and all together, Uh the rice ends up mushy.
6: Not only that, but it's actually less calories when it's al dente than when it is overcooked. (laughs) Because
1: of the starch content, the way the starch breaks down? That makes sense.
0: So what's your secret?
6: My secret is
1: yes, no. well. You can take a class and find out. He's okay. doing virtual classes, right?
6: I am.
0: I had you for a minute. I-
6: yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, public classes that I started up in May um, have really taken off on the private sector as well. So I've been doing it for like companies, uh, law firms, uh, doing it nationwide. So, so I- how do
1: the classes work? Like, do you do people have to go out and buy everything? Like, how do you run these classes? How do they work?
6: So I did one in this, for an association just recently and it was hundred orders uh, with, and they all the we portioned everything out for them uh, and then they also got a bottle of wine a pie a pan and everything like that so like the um, you know if it's local I can actually portion out the ingredients for you and so therefore you just have to assemble it when you get home and cook with me Right. Uh, if it's, you know, like a nationwide class, uh, I've done a lot with Deloitte in terms of different, like, teams of people and where I ship the kits to them so they don't have to buy the rice, the saffron, the super pica, and think or olive oil, and then I give them a short shopping list so they have it ready, you know,
0: by the class.
1: I love that. I think that sounds like so, so much So what fun. does it
0: cost? I'm just curious.
6: Curious. the class itself. We, we charge, you know, $35 per ho- uh, $39 per household. And then in terms of the paya kits, the, uh, with the pan, it comes out to be like $75, you know, without the pan, I think it's around 40. Um, when it's per person, right. Yeah, so when I portion out ingredients for you locally, it can be anywhere from 18 to $24, depending on, you know, the type of, uh, Uh, it is you know in terms of per person and then it's just one charge per household per zoom sort of thing okay
1: so let's talk you have slate wine bar and then like right before the pandemic you opened up chiquette like you were in studio right like (laughs) not that long ago so then chiquette is a totally different concept so how how are you running both of these businesses right now other than your virtual classes like now that we're now that we're here in this pandemic
6: so, it's really interesting. Um, luckily, both businesses are in the same building. Uh, that's number one. So, I get to run up and down the stairs. So, I think over the past nine months, I've lost a significant amount of weight. You look like
0: you're <laughs> You look good, that's you look right. great.
6: So, that's number one. You know, uh, two is understanding, you know, some like some products, like I, even my seafood paella that I do up here, upstairs, I get to use uh, part of that seafood downstairs in different ways. So, Mac Cross, utilization of products, you know, is really important in terms of like our master purchase list. Um, you know, just, you know, it's, it's really challenging because like, interesting enough to I have so much more diners cause I have a dining room here. Um, well, slate, the new concept of slate is different from before because now it's meant to have 40 people at the bar having a good time, you know, with small bites, small plates. I can't put 40 people at the bar right now. So right. like, you know, sometimes I'm full at slate with like, a smaller check average with like four couples right. and so four couples up here obviously it's more about the experience 70% of our diners have the tasting menu do wine pairings and things of that nature so you know it you know based on that it, you know the this business well, that can you
1: refresh uh, people on what Chiquette is because it is a it is a totally different dining experience
6: yes so it's a Valencian cuisine um, done with a wood fire kitchen, uh, representing um, what's, you know, important blancing cuisine besides being the cradle of paella representing seafood as well as the agriculture there. So we do a lot of vegetarian ten course tasting menus, seven course tasting menus as, as well, besides doing, you know, awesome paellas and one of our star uh, sexiest plates I believe is our you know, bonin ribeye that's dry age from old cows. So that's I a little <laughs> oh.
1: And so, and so, but it's a. Do most people come in for the tasting menu?
6: yes seventy percent. You of can order
1: à la carte.
6: You can, yes.
1: Okay. And so, what is a walk us through a tasting menu?
6: So, in terms of like how, it, so the structure of the tasting menu is always provided online, and then we alter it weekly, sometimes daily, in terms of what's readily available. Uh, It's a combination, a lot to start with, in in terms of uh, vegetables as well as seafood. Like right now, we have one bigger perch that we do with oxtail and foie gras. Right now, that's currently with an onjou, so that's you know absolutely delicious. Uh, So we do a combination; it's a well-balanced symphony uh, throughout the whole tasting menu. Um, The star ends up being the paella. And, you know, that changes daily in terms of, you know, what's good. Right now we're doing a winter uh, Valencian paella this week um, mm-hmm. because the, we replaced the duck for the rabbit because the, the Nordic regions uh, in Europe, the duck flies south for the winter to, you know, the southern Europe
4: mm-hmm. and
6: they exchange the duck uh, for the rabbit. So, you know, right now we're doing a lot of the Valencian paella is quite popular.
1: And are, did you find it hard, given the elevation of your cuisine, to get the products that you need?
6: Oh yes, especially with seafood. Especially with seafood, before things were just readily available. Uh, now I have to have an overstock when it comes down to like certain seafood, like especially like the the red uh, the red prawns that we get from the Mediterranean. So mm-hmm. I always have to think that like I'm going to sell a lot of that because, and I have to overstock it.
1: Mm -hmm. and how did you guys set up the dining room because I mean we can we're on a zoom like platform doing this show so we can see that it's a a very spacious
6: room how did you set it up so it's right now it's five tables and it's it's six feet distance from the back of one seat to the back of the other seat so like even like right now you know, like it, it's really far away. So it's very airy, you know, very, you know, with the skylights and everything, it feels like you're in a big sunroom in your in, in your house. So, you know, we take that seriously in terms of like making people feel safe. Um, you know, and the thing is, you know, we're not allowed to take parties of uh, six or more, you know, according to DC regulations. Although, interesting enough, you know, we've done a lot of like to-go orders so that you can see that it's a party of 10. <laughs>
1: no i mean no you know people i i hear from lots of restaurants you know not so much like this month but like september and august people were calling you know they just were asking for large parties do you know what i mean 15 people 20 people and they were like no we
0: can't do that well can we change or get back to something if if is it possible for example to call and order paella for four do you use Uber Eats or, you know, how do we get it delivered or do we have to come get it? How does that work?
6: So actually I haven't been doing payas to go. That's the one thing that-
0: <laughs> It gets mushy? It
6: gets mushy. Yeah. <laughs> right. It does get mushy. So that, that, you know, my, my counter to that was my paya classes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have a robust to go menu. We do a, a chef's tasting menu with four courses. We do roasted chicken, roasted lamb. We have vegetarian options as well. So, you know, we, we do use our wood fire kitchen. You do feel the wood fire on the chicken or the lamb and it's really delicious. Um, you know, in the TC menu, we change, you know, very often as well. So we do provide people with an at-home experience, but the paella is the one aspect and we're especially with seafood, you know, like by the time it gets to you, not only the rice is mushy, but then the fish and all that's mushy. It's just not the
0: same. That's smart. It's smart not to offer it because it'll be disappointing when it gets there.
1: All right, Danny, I'm so glad you were able to join us this morning. Can you you please tell everybody how they can get in touch with you?
6: Uh, they can visit our both websites, uh, DL.com it's slatewinebar.com, are the two best ways, and that- You
0: better uh, spell chiquette for people. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
6: Yes, it's uh, X-I-Q-U-E-T, and then dl.com. Excellent. Great. Well,
1: we want to thank all of our guests for joining us on Foodie and the Beast today. It was certainly another entertaining and delicious show. Of course, you can go to thelistareuana.com for a list of everything you heard here today. Um, Danny did not get to mention that he is doing Thanksgiving uh, and you can find that and all the Thanksgiving specials on the list. Are you on it.com. And of course you can follow me at NYCCI N E L L I S for the latest and greatest happening around the DC metro area. Please wear a mask, carry your hand sanitizer and everybody please have a delicious week.